everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter. The Giants are coming off a tie? Yeah, that's right, a tie. I'll give you my take on that in a little bit. 7-4-1 and one now. We got the Eagles game coming up. Dave Rothenberg, ESPN New York, ho- morning host. He'll be joining us in a few minutes. That'll be, that'll be a fun segment. We're going to see what he's willing to sacrifice for the Giants to make the playoffs. So that, that'll be interesting. Where's the line? How, how crazy is he willing to go? And how desperate is he for the Giants to make the playoffs? Uh, so we'll get to that in a minute. But I wanted to start here with the Odell Beckham Jr. situation. Because the way we sit right now is Odell visited the Giants last week. Snapped a video of him showing up. Then he went to Buffalo. Then he went to Dallas. Now, it seemed like Dallas was going to be a slam dunk. Then they realized, yeah, you know what? He's not going to be ready so soon. And I've been trying to say this the whole time. I think I have. If you go back and check it out. Saquon even mentioned to me on multiple occasions, like, man, people need to be realistic about, you know, what he can do and what, what when he gets back this year, like what he could do this year. And, you, you know, you think, okay, well, Saquon had a knee injury. It took him a while to get back, right? Not, not in, I'm not talking necessarily get back on the field, but, look, it took him a full year really till he felt like his whole self, his full self again. So to expect Odell to come back, remember, I don't, first of all, I don't even know of any situation where a guy didn't do any training camp, any spring, any OTAs, anything like that, anything during the season, shows up in December off a major injury, and it comes back in place. There might be guys out there, but I don't remember anyone in recent history that did that. And then to do it at a high level seems silly. So I always said the Odell situation was about next year. Essentially, you're getting a head start on him for next year, free agency. Now, here's the thing. Originally, I was like, who's really going to pay him? Then you start to think about it, and you say, okay, Let's just say he waits until March as a free agent and he goes through the free agent song and dance. There are no wide receivers. This is the Giants' dilemma here. Juju Smith-Schuster, Jacoby Myers, those are considered the top wide receivers in free agency. So now Odell Beckham, even though he's off two knee injuries and he's got an injury history, is, and yes, it's a gamble, but he probably has the highest upside. Now, I know he's not the same receiver he once was, but he's going to get paid. Look what Allen Robinson got paid last year. He was around 30, I believe. I'm, I'm, I'm not positive on the age, but he was coming off injury. He didn't really play last year. He has an injury history. Dude got $15 million a year. I believe he got like around three years, 48-ish, something like that. So I guess it's closer to 16. That is 16. I'm a, I swear I'm decent at math. So, yeah, Odell, if he waits until March, is going to get paid. So this is, if you want to get him now, it's sort of a head start on free agency. Now, Dallas doesn't appear to be that spot. They want him for this year. So that's starting to look like it might not happen. Buffalo, that's not the spot either. Von Miller's out. That's his boy. And in addition to that, think he really wants to go live in Buffalo? So the Giants, where he wants to go, 
The question is whether the Giants want to pay him. I have serious doubts about that. been saying that the whole time, too. But the bigger question right now is whether, and I, this is my opinion, I think this is where it might go, is it better for Odell to wait till next year? Wait till March? And I think it is. I really do. At this point, his best move is probably to wait till March. Wait till free agency. Then there's more teams of money, more teams that are interested. You're healthier. It just makes a ton more sense to me. So my gut tells me that's where we're headed with this Odell Beckham situation. Unless he sees the Giants are his only real offer. I I don't know necessarily that the Giants have made an offer yet. At last check, I had not heard that. But let's just say the Giants are his best offer, and he just says, oh, okay, you know, I really want to go back there. Let's do it even if it is below what his market value is going to be. Now, I don't see him necessarily doing that. He's not, I don't think that's his goal here to just take the, you know, I, I want to go back there at all costs. So the likelihood to me is that this is going to stretch out until March. All right, now let's get back to today's Giants. All right, real quick, off that tie to Washington, just blown opportunities left and right for the Giants. Actually, Fell down 10-0. Came back, had the lead most of the second half. Allowed Washington to drive down the field when they needed it. Here's what I'm optimistic about from that game. The pass rush of the Giants has now arrived. Let's see what they are these next few weeks. Big games. They were great in Washington. Aziz Ojolari comes back. Kayvon Thibodeau, 30-plus percent pass rush win win rate. By the way, that's off the charts. He He played, I know... The week before, everyone thought he played great. His pass rush win rate was better against Washington than it was in the the previous week's loss when everybody thought he, he played his best game in Dallas. So you're putting those two together. You have Dexter Lawrence in the middle. You got something. The Giants have so they. This is the first time I feel good about their natural pass rush in a long time. And I know I didn't mention Leonard Williams because he's got a neck injury. We'll see how that goes this week. But, you know, you throw that those four guys together on the field, and I think the Giants do have a pass rush that can win with four at times. And we haven't seen that in a really long time with this group. So that, to me, has me optimistic. Ojolari obviously had that strip sack of Taylor Heineke, huge one in that tie against Washington. The play that, and I know people bring back the Feliciano flexing, and he really just said, you know, he was flexing at, at Darius uh, at Slayton, and the ref just misinterpreted it. Whatever. Those things happen. Bad call. It happens. To me, the play that I, the, the two, two plays or two things, really, that, that stick out to me. Darius Slayton, that deep ball that he dropped, it's a tough drop, but I think the problem was, and I went back and watched it many times, and I talked to Slayton about this. He, if he kept running there, I think basically Darius Slayton might still be running. But he kind of misjudged it, turned around, turned his back, and then had to go up and make what turned out to be a tough catch. Now, yes, it was in his hands, but it was a tough catch. Now, the thing to me, and I, I when I spoke to Slayton about it, he said... He thought the safety was coming over a little hotter from the side. 
So he thought he couldn't just keep running. The safety would then be able to knock it down. He thought he had to turn like his back to kind of shield it and go up and make the catch. Daniel Jones thought he could have put it on him a little more. It was just one of those plays. And I, the narrative about Daniel Jones, how different would it be if they had went down and scored there? And I think that play would have got him, man, past midfield, near midfield. I mean, it would have been really close to, to field goal range. That's a play. That's a self-inflicted thing. Like the, the call on Feliciano, there's nothing you could do about that. That's out of your hands. The Slayton one, that's one that they should have made. I think I'm putting a little more of the blame on Slayton than I am Daniel. I'm not blaming either of them completely. I don't know. It's weird. It was a weird, weird play, but one that could ultimately shape the Giants' season. Now, the important part is that second game against Washington now. That's going to be a playoff game. There's no way around it. Whoever wins that game, their odds of making the playoffs are going to jump by like 40-50%. And the team that loses, their odds are going to tank. Unless, of course, Carolina loses this week. I mean, uh, Seattle loses this week to Carolina. But let's assume that Seattle beats Carolina and the Eagles' seven-point favorites beat the Giants. By the, by the way, seven-point favorites for the Eagles. Anyone else surprised about that? I thought the spread, we, after the game on Sunday, I said, oh, I'm going to look up the spread, turn to Dan Duggan from the Athletic, Pat Leonard from the Daily News, and say, okay, guys, guess, what do you think the spread is? And all of us had the spread in double digits. The Eagles being basically double-digit favorites. Vegas has the Eagles at minus seven. Thought it was going to be bigger. I get it. You get the three points for home, but I, I just I thought it was going to be bigger. Now, can the Giants win this game? Man, this is a tough one for them to win. 11-1 and one Eagles. It's a good team. The matchups are just so tough. Think about it. Eagles' strengths. Okay? Wide receiver. Giants cornerbacks. No chance. I mean, devastated. Their number one receiver is Fabian Moreau. He had trouble with Terry McLaurin. Now he's got to go up against A.J. Brown. And this is nothing against Fabian Moreau. He played well this year. He's played well. He has. But you don't want Fabian Moreau matched up and traveling with the other team's best receiver. You just That's not a matchup you're going to win very often. Right? Eagles love to run the ball. Giants not a good run-stuffing team. Eagles are good at... You know, at cornerback, Giants receivers might be the weakest spot on the team. I mean, these are the, the strengths of the Eagles do not match up favorably with the strengths of the Giants. Now, the Giants do run the ball well. If there's one way to do something against this Philadelphia defense, it's against it's it's the run. Now, they've improved that recently. Jordan Davis, the rookie out of Georgia's back. But the matchups are just not favorable. Which puts us back to that Washington game in two weeks. Now a Sunday night game, by the way. Flex to Sunday night. So we have a primetime game. Giants season, ultimately, I'm assuming they lose to, to Philadelphia. Let's say they do, because I'm predicting they do. 7-5-1, and one, identical records to Washington. That game is ultimately going to decide who gets that wild card spot in the NFC. That's how this is going to play out. Now, the Giants' better chance to win was at home. Right? Washington hadn't had their bye yet. Now, Washington's coming off their bye, and they're playing at home. 
So the pendulum now swings a little bit to Washington. Giants were two-and-a-half-point underdogs, I believe. Two, two-and-a-half-point underdogs at home to Washington. So they're not going to be about four or five-point underdogs, I think, on the road Sunday night in Washington with their season on the line, which is why – so you're underdogs on the road, so your chances of winning are less than 50%. Let's just say 45%. Giants have a 45% chance to win in Washington in two weeks. Brian Dayball had an opportunity, fourth and three from Washington's 45 with under two minutes left to go in overtime. Fourth and three. I think your odds on fourth and three are better than 45%. And once you get in, you get a, if you get a first down there, I think the odds there are probably 55% success rate, somewhere around there. You get that first down, you're pretty much, you know, in field goal range, boom, that's, that's a good chance at a win. So I'm surprised. Brian Dable, the same Brian Dable who week one said we're going to be aggressive. We went for two. This is how I told the players I'm going to be. Then turned non-aggressive in overtime and essentially played for a tie. I know the Giants got the ball back, but the likelihood once he punted there, right, once he decided he took the delay game and punted, once they punt there, you, the odds of that game ending in a tie have to be like 80, 80 90%. Maybe even higher. So you're essentially playing for the tie. You punted for the tie at that point. Yes, you can get the ball back, which they did. Ultimately got a field goal opportunity. was a little much out of his range. I, t- I spoke to you know, Thomas McGay. He told me probably like had to get within like 53 to 55 in those conditions. And they didn't. The kick was, I believe, it was 57, 58, somewhere in between there. And it was just too much, came up short. And now, your Giants season is on the line. They're heading in the wrong direction. They've won once in their last five. They got a win against Houston, the worst team in the league, and a tie against Washington during that stretch. Losses to Detroit, losses to Seattle, and losses to a loss to Dallas. The common thread here, Better competition than they played earlier in the year. That's what this is. This is a correction to the mean. All those close games the Giants won, pulled out, made all the plays down the stretch. You know, we knew they weren't great then. We still know they're not great now. Not much has changed. I haven't played their best game. I assume at some point they're going to play a good game. They'll play a clean game, and they'll win a game that they're not supposed to. But they're going to need Washington. They're going to need Indy. And we'll see what happens week 18 with the Eagles. Do they need to even play at that point? Maybe they play the guys, their guys two drives or three drives or something like that, a half. Don't care about the end result. That could help the Giants in week 18. With that being said, let's move on. On to the next one. All right, let's bring in my man, Dave Rothenberg, ESPN New York, morning show radio host, soon to be. 6 to 10 a.m., Dave? Is yeah, this correct? is some big news. Yeah. This is some pretty big news that I get to uh, share with you and all your, your podcast listeners. We, on January 3rd, Jordan, will be moving from 5 to 8, which is a nice slot, but very early, to full morning drive on 9870 ESPN, 6 a.m. 
to 10 a.m. So, yeah, we're very excited. First off, how excited are you for that extra hour of sleep? I'm excited for all of it. I'm excited for an hour of more content. I'm, I'm excited for an hour more of sleep. I'm excited to be in a, a better slot radio and professional-wise. That It's all thrilling. So we're very excited. Yeah. About I'll it. tell you, to be honest, you bring in people like me, right? I mean, not, not that I don't listen to you guys when I can, but I'm generally in the car more in that 8 to 10 range. And so that gives me the opportunity now to tune in to more of the show. So I'm excited about that for sure. I think it, I think it's great because, yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot of people – I mean, we've had a few people actually reach out and say, oh, I can't believe you're not going to be on in the 5 o'clock hour anymore. That's when I commute. That's my sweet spot. But for right. the most part, to be on from 6 to 10, if you're commuting somewhere or you're getting started with your morning, you're going to have the opportunity either in the 6 o'clock hour, the 8 o'clock hour, the 9 o'clock hour – to listen to the show. So it, it's big news. It really is. We're very yeah. excited about it. You're you're going big time on us. That's that's what's happening here. But I'm always, always available for this. That is podcast. true. And I appreciate so it. So you know. Well, we have to talk to you about the Giants season because we haven't, you know, reached out in a while. Correct. I'm curious, how enjoyable has this season been? And has this recent how much has this recent stretch kind of soured it a little bit for you? you know, or has fun. it? It, it's funny you say it because I've had a lot of arguments with with guys on the show, Rick, my co-host specifically, but but the producers as well, RJ and Ray. And well, Ray's just I, a hater. He's a, he's, a, he's not a great he's a guy. giant hater, and, and he's a Cowboys, Cowboys fan. fan. Yeah, uh, and it makes him it makes you question a lot that goes on with him and and how he was raised and all that stuff. But <laughs> you know, I've said that no matter what happens, this is. I mean, we're sitting here. It's it's early December, first week into December, and the Giants have a huge game against Philadelphia. The Giants had a huge game against Washington. Like they're playing meaningful football. And I said to the guys, this already has been a success for me. I've enjoyed it greatly. And they're like, you're seven and two. It's a failure if you don't get in. Like why? Like I'm with I, you. I'm not saying I. I'm not saying I wouldn't be disappointed yeah. if they don't get in, but a failure? No, they. You know why? Because Jordan, the biggest thing that I needed to see this year was: is there a new culture? Do I think that Shane and Dable are going to be competent? And those things, not you can't even debate them. There's a completely new culture, and Shane is really good, and Dable is elite. And you know what? He was great with Josh Allen. He was great with Trubisky. He's done well with Daniel Jones. Whatever mm -hmm. quarterback they move forward with, I have nothing but confidence. I am ultimately immensely excited about the future of this. Did office. you like him punting there in the overtime, fourth and three from the Washington 45? Um, That bothered me. Well, maybe it did, but I'll tell you what, if somehow the ball comes flying out from Taylor Heineke on that sack from Kevon uh, Thibodeau, you know, that now all of a sudden it's a genius punt. Um, Did I love it? No. The, Gi the Giants had so many chances to win that game, right? I mean, you're up by seven, and I felt like, see, what upset me more than punting it there was how conservative they were in the second half. You were a field goal away from ending that game. And if Feliciano doesn't go down there and God knows whatever he was doing and whether it was the right call or not, if that's not an unsportsmanlike conduct and you pick up another five yards, you're now up 10 points, and that game is now over. Yeah. What bothered me was actually the deep ball to Slayton that they didn't complete. Like, that just that just needs to be a completion. I, well, I believe I mean, that was well, right after fair. they tied it. I mean, the, the Giants, they, their receiving core is just not very good. Yeah. Well, we know that. I mean, that, that makes this week's game really, really tough. Uh, yeah, but, so you're you're on the side of fully. This season is a success even if they don't – even if they miss out yes. on the playoffs. If they yeah. lose now, out. If now, they lose out, you're still a success. 
I, it depends how they lose out. I mean, do they get crushed in every game? You know, yeah, they're, losing they're out would be tough. Wouldn't be. Listen, I, I wouldn't be happy about it, and I'd be disappointed about it. But I'm I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think the season would be a failure. I think this season, no matter what happens from here on out, even if it if they they fall apart, is a success. But Jordan, they're competing with the worst receiving core in the NFL. Their secondary is guys that they're driving down in in New York City streets and saying, "Excuse me, can can you cover anybody? Because if you can, get in the car and let's go." They have no business being sitting here at seven, four, and one. Yes, I stand by it. I'm thrilled, and I'm thrilled with the future as well. Yeah, the roster is certainly not loaded it's with awful. talent. There is holes it's all over the place. What it is. Wait, was that? It's all the roster is awful in a yeah. lot of spots. It really is. It really is. I mean, the, the teams that they're putting out, the team they put out in Dallas had like no shot, and the fact that they even hung in the and first they let half, it half of that game was a miracle. It it's really a, was. And, and you know what? If, if Jones completes that play to Barkley, like they were, they were this close and Dallas is a very good football team. No, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to let anyone get in my way. This has been tremendous so far this season. You mentioned Jones and that play. Yes. He could have made a better throw. Saquon should have caught it. There's a lot of different things that go into that overall though. How content are you with Daniel Jones? Like, how do you want them to play this at this point? Um, I'm not sure. I think he's probably done enough to warrant coming back for at least a year, if not two. I think I need I think I need them to draft a quarterback that they looked at maybe they think could be the quarterback of the future, be that in the first round or the second round or at some point. Um, but I like Daniel Jones. And the thing is, I would hate to move on from Daniel Jones and watch him go elsewhere and succeed when I, I think he can be pretty good here. And when I say pretty good, I think he can be a top 12 quarterback in this league. I mean, he's Isaiah Hodgins. I mean, <laughs> you know, Richie James, David Sills. These are these are not NFL receivers. When Darius Slayton is the elite receiver that you trot out there every week, you know there's a big problem. So I would just love to see a year where he has the coaching, he has the O-line, he has the receivers. He has Saquon, and it's all set up for him to succeed instead of you've got to try to go at it with a, a subpar offensive mind, or you got to try to go at it with, with no running back, or you got to try to go at it with no offensive line, or enjoy yourself with these you know jokes of wide receivers right now. I'd love a year where it was all in place and we could actually see what he could do. Isn't that the frustrating part, though? They had four years to do this, Dave. They had four years to say, okay, at some point – Give him, you know, competent receivers. If you think about it, he's never played with a number one receiver in four years. But Jordan, they were incompetent. I mean, you you think I'm I kidding? Know. And I say this on the radio all the time. I I would have done a better job than Dave Gettleman. And I'm and I'm not exaggerating I when I say that. Dave Gettleman was so bad at his job, and they held on to Eli for so long that they put themselves in this position. And it's very unfair to Daniel Jones. And I think this regime very quickly has done a really good job in every possible way that they could remedy the situation. Well, you know, I'm the conductor of the Daniel Jones bandwagon, but the problem for me is yes, I do. I want to see him with that full arsenal. The problem is now you have to pay to see him do it, right? It's not okay. We could see him if he's the real deal on the rookie contract anymore. Now it's, we have to see if he's the real deal while paying him significant money. Which well, is how, the mu problem. how much? Am I, how much am I going to have to pay him? Am I twenty? What do you a year? think? What would you do? 
What's what's your number? Uh, two years, forty million. Let's let's go. Let's play it, ball. You think he's gonna? If you you got to guarantee him probably all forty. I because think about it. And if you're Daniel Jones, there's a benefit to stay with the Giants, right? But he's a free agent. He's in a good spot. So if you either, hey, you want to keep me? $30 million for one year. That's the franchise tag, right? 30, 30 plus million. Right. That, so that's his starting point in negotiations. Hey, you want to keep me? Just franchise tag me then for $30 million. That's the starting point. Otherwise, uh, there's, there's no way you can hit free agency. Teams overpay you. for these quarterbacks. Somebody's going to pay him, I, Dave. I understand your point. I can't go crazy. I can't pay him astronomical money. I need to bring in other pieces. Two years, $40 million, and I'll guarantee $30 million of it. Two years, $40 million, guaranteed $30. So basically $20 million for the first year, $10 million for the second year. Yep. And you could basically, that means that you could get out of it. I don't know if he would do that, but yeah. I mean, yeah, from the Giants' perspective, I get it. That's That's essentially the Jameis Winston deal. That's basically what uh, New Orleans did with Jameis Winston. Is Listen, I, I think, there's, I think there's benefit of him staying here, too. I agree. I mean, they're trending in the right direction. You have a more than competent head coach. You have a more than competent offensive coordinator. I don't think it's so like, and where are you going to go? Is there a team that you can, I mean, the Giants are clearly on the way to being a pretty good franchise and a pretty good football team. Is that going to exist out there wherever it is that you pick up and you leave to? I don't know that it does. Yeah, I think the number is going to end up being a little bigger. Let's say three for 75, but wait, hear me out before you get mad and say no, right? Three for 75, but 40 is guaranteed, and that means you could basically get out of it after two years, and even after even after one year, you just have to eat some money if you have a, a rookie that blossoms and is the guy. Yeah, I got, I got to be able to get out of it after one year. If I can't get out after one year, then I, I don't know. You'll probably be able to get out of it after one year, but you'll have to pay like you'll still be having paying him like ten or fifteen million dollars guaranteed in that second year, as like a as like a goodbye parting gift. Uh, yeah. Listen, I I think he has a chance to be a good quarterback, but I I can't I I, I need to bring somebody else in to compete with him. Well, I look, I keep bringing this up. So Buffalo, right? That's where Joe Shane and Brian Dable came from. They had the twenty first pick. In that 2018 NFL draft. Right. They traded up once. They traded, uh, I believe it was Cordy Glenn, right? Do you remember the offensive tackle? Sure. Traded Cordy Glenn, moved up, traded up again, ended up with the seventh pick, ended up with Josh Allen. They didn't trade another first round pick. They traded Cordy Glenn and I believe basically two second rounders and, you know, and a whole bunch of other stuff along the way, but nothing like, you know, first round quality. Would you be um, on board for that? Uh, l- listen, it, I, and I've said this, and and their track record is there, right? They're, I mean, what Dable has done with quarterbacks, you, you, you can't argue it. If there is a quarterback they identify that is the guy, go get him. I don't, I don't care what it takes. I don't care if you have to trade a first and another first, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I need the quarterback. Bring him in. Keep Jones for a year. Let that guy eventually take over. And now you feel you'll be in good hands. And if Jones blossoms, that's fine. I always say that's a problem you deal with. Like you have two quarterbacks. That's great. If Jones, you finally give him weapons and you realize he's the real deal, then good. You know, that's fine. You keep him on the bench like you do Jordan Love, right? Obviously, he's not not Aaron Rodgers, but you get you get the point. 
Yeah. Uh, so what do you do with Saquon at that point then? You you don't you franchise tag him? I don't know. I mean, what do I think they'll do or what do I do? I mean, would you pay him? I don't would know. No, I'm not, I'm not paying him. I'm not. Here, here's what I do. You know what? Because the thing is, I don't know health and I, and and look at Ezekiel Elliott. Like like it never it never works out. Second contracts with running backs are never good. So Christian McCaffrey, they dealt him. It's never good. Uh, I would go to, and I think you're going to scoff at this and say, oh, you, you, you can't do that. That's just not enough. Two years, 24 million. We love you. We want to keep you. We need to build around you, but we can't go crazy and give you more than that. I mean, yeah, that's essentially what the fran- two franchise tags are. Well, you know what? And and I'll guarantee 20 million. Yeah. I, I He's not going to take that. I know but, he's not. Look, you you say to him, look, we're just going to franchise tag you then. 10, 12 million, whatever that number is this year, one year deal, like, that's ideal for the team, right? Of course. You, and and if, the thing is, I mean, and that's the problem with the running back, right? If he was any other position, you 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 would absolutely laugh at a, a, a one year 10, 12, whatever it is. But that's the position of running back. And running back, it's it's a terrible position because you don't get paid right away. And that's when you're going to be at your highest value. And then it makes no sense to give a guy an enormous deal for the second deal. So this is where you are. But, I mean, look around the league, Jordan. And I, and I get it. And Saquon is great. He's phenomenal. But look around the league. Look at what, what San Francisco does. They, Elijah Mitchell, they draft him. Kevin yeah. Coleman, they bring him in. Some guy, I don't even know his name. They, they put him in last week. He's running the ball. The Jets, right? They take, I mean, Brees Hall is phenomenal. And he was a second-round pick. Then yeah. Michael Carter is good. Davey then they trade Peterson for James the Robinson team. with a fifth round pick. And then they now they're using and they've announced that a, a, an undrafted running back is going to be their guy. Yeah. So I just I, I think that Saquon and it's not a knock on Saquon. I think it's a position where you can draft one every year in the third or fourth round, bring it a free agent every year at a low number and get by without much trouble. Every time I watch the Chargers, I think to myself, how Austin Eckler was an undrafted guy. How yeah. in the world did that happen? Yeah, I mean, and, and you can get that. Look around the league. If you spend, and and again, I don't want to get back into this, but if you spend a high pick on a running back, it is franchise malpractice, is what it is. Well, we've been there, done that. We, yep, we know we that. Sure have. How about OBJ? Where do you stand on that? You want? Would you? Would you welcome him returning? Uh, I personally wouldn't, but I understand the allure from people. But here's the thing: he wants to be paid, Jordan. There, there's no way I'm paying him $20 million a year. Coming off a second ACL injury, being in an advanced age, knowing that at any moment he could dip back into that you know, immature way. No, I would, right. I, I'm sorry. I, I understand. And I'm not opposed to bringing him back you know, because I think he's a talented receiver. But being that he wants to get paid to that extent, I, I just I can't do it. Okay, let me play devil's advocate here for yeah. a second then, Dave. Okay. We go to we go to free agency next year. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible wide receiver class. Terrible. I mean, Jacoby Meyer and Juju Smith Schuster are, are pretty much like the two best guys available. Okay. Odell Beckham Jr. sits out the rest of this year. So he's obviously a little healthier come March. Right. The market for wide receivers, remember last year was bananas, right? So the price for Odell is probably Allen Robinson-ish from last year. Obviously, that didn't work out well for them. But let's say three for 45. Three Where for are you at on that? 
I don't, I don't, and I'm guaranteeing forty-five million dollars. No, 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 no. The whole thing is never guaranteed. No, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, 20... I, I don't know, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in love with bringing back Odell. If, if, if it was a good deal, listen, he wants to come to New York, right? We know that. Yes. So would he, would he take? I don't know, two for, two for thirty, two for thirty-two, something like that. I, I, I don't know that I want to. Realistic. Start. I do. Yeah. I think that's realistic. All right. Some maybe. I don't know. 20, 20 million that. to me seems like it's exorbitant. I think 20 is them shooting for the stars. I don't think that's the number that they ultimately get. If you years. told me I could get him for two years, 30 million. Yeah. You know what? I, I don't think that's tremendously outrageous. I, I think I, I'd swallow my pride a little bit and think that, you know what? Let me because now I can draft a receiver, too. And 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 now I have Odell, and I'm going to shore up the offensive line, and maybe mm-hmm. I add another tight end. Yeah, now all of a sudden I have an offense which just has to be dealt with. Yeah, well, here's the problem. You want to try to find your Stefan Diggs, right? That's essentially what you're trying to do here. Right? Buffalo's offense jumped to the next level when they got Steph Diggs. The problem is where did the Giants find it? Granted, Steph Diggs was a trade. He was extremely unhappy. They either find that guy via trade or they're going to have to take a risk on someone like Odell in free agency because or, that guy just doesn't but, but exist. Here, but here's the thing. And then draft a guy on top of that, by right, the way. Right. That's, that's draft the their thing. Gabe Davis. Is there's no is there's no reason to think that you won't get a a legitimately NFL ready receiver in round one. Right? I mean Ohio Even State, round two. Round two has been a gold mine for wide receivers. But I mean it may, maybe listen, the Giants are broken. Maybe you go receiver round one and round two. I mean they they have the worst receiving core I've ever seen in my life. And I'm not exaggerating. It's just, it's that bad. So I don't know, but you're going to have money and you have draft equity. So I, you're going to have to go heavy with the wide receiver. Again, I'm not like vehemently opposed to Beckham, but I just, I don't know. There's something unsettling about bringing a guy back who, who left on such bad footing. All right, let's finish on this. Ready? Yeah. We have five games left. Really, Giants beat Washington. They're probably going to make the playoffs. Their their odds of going to make the playoffs are going to be at like eight percent. Because now Even any tie any tiebreaker against Washington, you know. Yeah. Even if they lose this game against Philadelphia this week, which we expect. Right? Sure. Uh-huh. Okay. So, what kind of sacrifice, giant sacrifice, are you willing to make for the Giants to make the playoffs? Ready? Yeah. If I say to you, if the Giants make the playoffs, you're conceding the Mets have no chance this year to make the playoffs. You taking it? No, 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 no chance. No, no chance. No. So All now right. my entire baseball season is irrelevant. No. All right. And, but well, well, here's the thing also, Jordan. And let, let me okay. just throw this out there before you continue with, with the, the line of question, which I adore these, these questions, right? Uh-huh. The Giants have zero chance to win the Super Bowl. Do you agree with that? Yes. So, so I mean, I'll give them one, one percent. I'll give them uh, one. Pro- probably not yeah, even one percent. Maybe, maybe like less. One, yeah, somewhere between. Percent, right. Yeah. Get the points. The points. Yeah. Solid. Right. Like, like slim to none. So, yes. I mean, what I'd love to get in. I'm not going to sacrifice a lot to get in because because the Mets. I think the Mets get in. They could win the whole thing. The Giants yeah. are not winning the whole thing. So I love the Giants more, but I'm not sacrificing a chance at the Mets to win the World Series, which I think is a real possibility. Okay. So to play off that, then would you? The Giants make the playoffs. You have yeah. to then watch the Yankees win the World Series this year. Why would why would you do that to me? <laughs> so your team is actually getting in the playoffs. You just have to sit there in October, or actually November, maybe even, and watch the Yankees celebrate. No, I wouldn't do it. Ooh, nope. really? No, wouldn't do it. 
What about uh, what's your favorite food? You you pizza guy? Dessert? Pizza. Bagels and pizza. All right. No bagel for six months or a Giants Done. playoff spot. Done. Yeah, you'll give up bagels. Now, now I now could. bagels and pizza. No, why are you why are you taking away <laughs> bagels and pizza? Well, I'm just saying. I'm just. I want to see how far you're willing to go. All right. Is there a can I can I, once I get in, I could win those games, right? I could in theory. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's the whole thing. You never no know bagels. what happens in the playoffs. The Giants beating like the Bucks in the playoffs is, wouldn't be impossible. No bagels, no pizza. Giants get in. All right, let me counter that. And and the Giants beat the Eagles this week. And the Giants beat the Eagles. Fine, I'll give you that. Okay. I'm no bagels, no pizza. <laughs> Giants beat the Eagles this week. Done. Okay. All right, so you mentioned it. You said uh, if they can win a playoff game, right? Yeah. So let's say the Giants make the playoffs and win a playoff game. Wow. Three months of relations with your wife. You willing to sacrifice? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no doubter. Uh, he didn't even hesitate. Absolutely. The, the man did not even hesitate. Absolutely. I thought that one was going to be one where you would draw the line. No, no. Come on. I, I mean, come on. We've been married for 19 years. I can I can go three months. A run to the NFC Championship game, giving up watching all your kids' sports for just the winter. Give me a Super Bowl Ooh. appearance. <laughs> you hesitated on that one. Well, the kids, the kids I, I are where the lines at here. We well, see what we see where this is, Dave. Because you know, you know, you know why? I'll tell I'll tell you why. Wait a minute, a Super Bowl appearance? Yeah. I would have to say you have to go like the whole year without watching your kids' sports for a Super Bowl appearance. That's the Super Bowl appearance is asking a lot, Dave. What well, you're the one coming up with these questions. I that's what I said. So I would year, have to so go. I can't watch my kids play sports for one year from today and the Giants go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. All right, let's go. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. You're a special human being, Dave. Special yeah. human being. We determined on the show today that I am actually not fully functional. Well, you do have you do have a line though. You you were not willing to give up the Mets entire season. That's right. Because yes. I think the Mets have a real chance to to compete for the whole thing, and I don't think the Giants do. And that that's my rationale behind that one. I, I mean, I get it. I totally get it. I mean, there's there's plenty of logic behind that. The Mets are they, they're going to be exciting and a contender for as long as we could see ahead. So that's right. Yeah. All right, Dave. On uh, on Aaron Judge returning, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Now, can you hit in the playoffs? That's that's the next one. We don't know. Yeah. Well, for uh, $400 million, I think the expectation better be that you can uh, perform in the playoffs once in a while. Otherwise, he'll get booted home. Yeah, he will. He will. But, hey, it's a good time to be alive. It's a good time to be a New York sports fan. Think about it. You got the Jets doing well this year. You got the Giants relevant. You got the Mets and Yankees both, like, in the middle of the biggest moves in in baseball offseason. It's going pretty well for you guys over there. Ra- Ra- Rangers are really good, although they've they are. Been devils are lately, actually Rangers awesome. are good. I know you don't talk devils. about Devils. Devils have the best record in hockey. Islanders are a good team. Knicks, Knicks are. Knicks eh. Knicks Nets are, are good-ish, right? I mean, New York sports yeah. is it's on the upswing, my friend. I know. And you're going to be there every morning from 6 to 10, so make sure you tune in. Dave Rothenberg, 98.7 ESPN New York. DPHO in Rothenberg, actually. I don't think I mentioned his name yet, so can't. Yeah. Can't <laughs> you don't mind? 
No, I think you did a great job. All right. Thanks, Thank Dave. You, do it again soon. Yep. On to the next one. All right. It's time for Jordan on the Beat. This is the portion of the podcast where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants work for ESPN or cover the NFL in general. And this is a tough one that I have to cop up to right here because I'm on Sunday countdown this past week on the field, Giants-Washington. I'm going through my report. I get to the part about Saquon, easiest part, know it by heart. All of a sudden, I blank, flat out just blanked. Couldn't find my words, just blanked on live TV. Terrible. You know, terrible, terrible, terrible on my part. So mad at myself. The easiest part, too, that I know well. I mean, I could rip it off in a second. The natural assumption is that Barkley's either injured or wearing down to the heavy workload. Man, couldn't, fit, couldn't find that line. Quarterback Daniel Jones simply chuckled at that notion. I haven't seen that, he said. Barkley flat out told me. That narrative is BS. I just haven't played well, he said. How's that for accountability? Back to you, Sam. Just couldn't think of it. Just couldn't think of it. It was totally blanked on air. And now I just got to eat it, suck it up, head back to the drawing board, find ways to get better. And if it makes you feel any better and you've ever had to do something like this and you stumble or lose your words or forget what you're going to say, it happens. It was certainly an inopportune time, and I'm pissed at myself, embarrassed, but it happened. Now i got to figure out ways to get better and correct it, make sure it never happens again. So that's where I'm at. Nothing I can do now. Man, still disappointing. I'm so pissed. Now, I'm usually better with bullet points. This time I tried to memorize the whole thing, and that's where I went wrong. Because when I try to memorize it and then go for word for word, the second I flub something, I want to go back and fix it and correct it. Like, this is like that's how my brain works. Naturally, I want to go back and fix it and correct it. And then you, you can't really do that. you got to just keep going. you got to plow through. And usually, I mean, there's never been a situation where I haven't been able to just plow through. Never before have I not, have I just blanked. Always been able to just plow through it. You know, stumble through parts that you mess up on. It happens all the time. But you always finish and stumble and get through it. This time, I was just like silent, frozen. Stumbled through a couple words, ended there. Man, it was just terrible. Terrible. So disappointed in myself. So disappointed. But there's nothing you can do. You got to move on. And uh, that's where we're at. So I copped up. I have to cop up to it. It happened. It's embarrassing, but what do you do? Go get better. Use it as motivation moving forward. That's how I view it. So that's this portion of Jordan on the Beat. As always, like, subscribe, tell your friends. Email, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. You know where to reach me. We'll do a Jordan on the Beat. I mean, uh, we'll do a Giants After Dark soon where I'll answer you all your questions. See, I just messed up there, but you just keep going. You keep plowing through it. That's what I should have done on air. I don't know why, though. I just got frozen. It's crazy. Just stood there for like a few seconds. Awful. That's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. See, I did it again there. 
Maybe something's wrong with my brain. I was thinking Giants After Dark, you know, Jordan on the Beat. No, that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. See you next time. <laughs>